Hello, and welcome to the All Things Narrative podcast, where we explore the relationships between the stories we love and the stories we live. I'm your host, Derek Hatch, and let's get started. Excelsior, it is that time to talk about the amazing, the spectacular, the ultimate, everyone's friendly neighborhood, Spider-Man. Ooh, I cannot wait to get into this, and I am so glad you stopped by. Thank you for checking out the All Things Narrative podcast. If you do end up enjoying this episode, please leave us a review. And before we get into this very lengthy conversation, I wanted to let you know that if you are in the South Florida area, we are starting up another round of the Live a Meaningful Story workshop right here in Lake Worth, and you don't want to miss this. If you love storytelling and you want to better learn how to tell your story in ways that can inspire you and those around you to live more meaningfully, then you got to come check out this workshop, and we're going to go on a journey. We're going to go on a journey through our lives and you know many people have said that this is healing that this is a restorative that this brings a lot of clarity helps them make sense of their lives and so at the end of the six weeks you'll have the opportunity to share your story or maybe even just a piece of it at our storyteller sessions events um, down at common ground community development aka the 1201 venue and so if that interests you at all and and you just want to better understand your life through storytelling, then you got to sign up for that at allthingsnarrative.com. I'll put a link here in the show notes as well. Also, if you're interested in checking out uh, my views on the Spider-Man films in particular, um, check out my Letterboxd account and I'll have a link to those rankings, my very unpopular opinions on this as well. And without further ado, I am here to bring back the boys. The we boys, are all back in the house. Back in we cannot hold our rest now. <laughs> so we can, so we can acknowledge our own existence. No, we were here. Uh, we're here I'm the, here too. Here the whole time. Yep. So we got, uh, yes, we got Joseph and whoop, Jason whoop. and Nick back in the house uh, to now. talk about my favorite fictional character of all time, Spider-Man, and why we love Spider-Man. We also got some other guests joining us as well. We've got Mr. Dave Darling. Mr. Dave. Yes. He said hello. He couldn't hear him. (laughs) He's here. And we've got uh, Joseph's cousin Mm -hmm. in the house as well. That's right. I'm not going to put your business out there, but yeah. Come on and take a seat, Dale. Come on. Move your feet. Take a seat. <laughs> See, you're in the hot seat. You never know when you're gonna get asked or roped in. So that's right. So thank you all for joining us, and let's get into it. What is the definitive Spider-Man theme? Because there's been so, so many. Um, Spectacular. Yeah, there's the spectacular one. I love the 60s vibe. Jason, what what would you say? I'd say the the 90s Spider-Man is it's it's got all the conflict, all the tension, all the fun. Yeah, that's definitely the riff for me. Yeah, like yeah, I love the the rock. You know, I think Spidey and Rock go well together. Mm-hmm. Joe, do you have a favorite theme? I think it's just a Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Oh, the classic. Yeah, I think it's a classic one. It cool. just immediately comes to mind. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Classics. And I, I love them all. And there's actually some of the film yeah. themes I really love too. Um, 
But yeah, let's dive into this. So we always start off with a brief history of Spider-Man or whatever property we're talking about. And I mean brief because we actually did an episode on Marvel where we kind of covered their history already. Mm. So I'm not going to repeat too much. Um, I'm just going to mention a couple points here. And that's that um, you have that Marvel boom in the early 60s, right, with Stan Lee um, and Jack Kirby and others creating these iconic characters. Spider-Man was actually one of the first of those shortly after Fantastic Four and Ant-Man. Um, but Stanley had this very vague idea of Spider-Man that he wanted like someone who was young, a teenager that people could relate to for like youth culture and, um, someone who could like climb walls and stuff like that. And so I don't know if you guys know this, but Jack Kirby, um, who created the Avengers and the X-Men, he actually did a a mock-up for Spider-Man and Stanley hated it Oh, because they made him very macho, very muscular, big buff. Mm. Um, the mask was like a helmet that only covered half his face. Um, yeah, it didn't look right. And so Steve Ditko was actually brought in and Steve Ditko is incredibly influential in not just like the look of Spider-Man, but the feel of the Spider-Man mythos as a whole. Mm. He created almost all the iconic villains that we know. Um, so he was the writer for the first few years. And, you know, him and Stan Lee penned Amazing Fantasy 15, which I think is you know, arguably the greatest origin story um, of all time in comics. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just 13 pages and it's just, it's like a modern day parable, you know? Yeah. Just so tight. But he gets his own series in 1963 um, and it becomes eventually the best-selling superhero of all time. So Steve Ditko really, you know, takes him through the high school years. John Romita comes in after Ditko and really fleshes out the the world and the side characters and more of the villains. And he becomes highly successful. You know, he gets several animated TV shows uh, over the years, toys. Um, I don't know if you guys know that Marvel was owned by toy companies at, at different times. No, I think, that makes sense. I think Toy <laughs> toy Biz might have been one of them. My, my, my memory's fuzzy on that. But in the 90s, I think they were owned by a toy company. And that's where the idea of all those animated shows came from. Oh, uh, was like, oh, we need to sell we toys. To that's toys. The, that's and, the whole purpose of those shows is to yeah, sell and, toys. But the, but the thing yeah. is, is they got good writers in all the, the X-Men show, the Spider-Man show. Mm-hmm. They got good writers in those shows. And so you don't always feel like you're being sold something. You feel like you're being told a compelling story, you know? That makes you want to buy the giant That makes you want to buy. Like I mean, literally yeah. right behind Nick's head, I have... Um, my Spider-Man, like the metal figures from like the '90s show, yeah. you know. So it's like, I bought the toys. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so Spider-Man gets really big through the '90s, pop cultural wise, and then in, of course in 2000s with the Ultimate Comics, which was a great entry point for new readers of our generation, and then the movie, the Sam Raimi movie in 2002, was huge in bringing people in. And yeah, and Spider-Man has just kind of uh, gone on. To do many wonderful things, many great video games, uh, TV yes. shows, films, and of course the comics and to- toys themselves. Which came first, the um, the Ultimate Comics or the uh, Tobey Maguire movies? So interesting. The Ultimate Comics came in about the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Sam Raimi movie was like being developed in like 2000, 2001, and then came out in 2002. 2002. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, right around that same time. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then I like to say for Spider-Man fans, it's an embarrassment of riches. You know what I mean by that? Like, no. there's a lot of great content if you love Spider-Man. Mm. There's, if you want a great Spider-Man video game, 
There's several. Great yep. TV show, several. Mm. Great movies, several. And the comics are some of the best ever written. So it's like, whatever you're into, yeah. if you're a Spider-Man fan... There's something for you. There's something for you, and there's something, like, good. Yeah. Like, really good. Our personal introductions. So how did you guys... Um, Get into Spider Man. Where did where did it start for you? Sam Raimi movies, I think. Yeah, that, that was my introduction. Did you see any of those in the theaters when they came out? I cannot remember. Okay, I don't. I don't. I, if it's two thousand two, then I'm like ten or eleven. Yeah, point, so I don't think so. Okay, probably thirteen. Okay, so Sam Raimi films for you, Nick. Mm-hmm. How about you, Joe? Yeah, my um, my brother Andrew, he's a huge Spider-Man fan. So you know him, kind of like with the comics and stuff like that. Yeah, like really rarely with comics, but again, mostly with the movie, the uh, Sam Raimi movie. I I saw the second one. That was my first introduction of seeing the movie. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You can only go down from there. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, quite man. a bar to set. I was at the high that point. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. So that was. That was my introduction. Okay, yeah. cool. Dave, we got to hear your introduction. Mm-hmm. Let's go. So, The Electric Company. Yes! <laughs> yes! Late 70s, early 80s, The Electric Company where he didn't talk and he just had the little blips that came up and they were like little three-minute episodes, but uh, that's my first introduction and I loved it when I was a kid. <laughs> I had the underoos and all that, so. The underoos. Yeah. Underoos. <laughs> Oh, I love it. That's I great. love it. Yeah, those are oh, sorry. Yeah, those are on YouTube, right? I think you could still watch those yeah, electric yeah, company I watched, shorts. I refreshed myself today on some of them. That's funny. That's yeah, cool. I'm going to have to watch those. It's, it's funny. He fell in love with Spider-Man, and Spider-Man didn't even talk on those. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Jason, how about you? Me, my, uh, I, I, I wasn't old enough to start with a comics, but my childhood was actually pretty rich in Spider-Man. I went as him as, uh, for Halloween once. Oh, cool. And it started, as a few of these have, uh, with a big old black rectangle <laughs> called a VCR. We had Spider-Man and his amazing friends with oh, Iceman cool. and Firestar. Firestar. Yeah. Wait, but that's a new. That's a show called that. That's the title of a show that's like out now too. Yep. Spider-Man and his Spider-Man amazing, and his amazing friends. friends. No, it's no, it's it's Gwen and Miles now. Oh uh, well, in this one they caught Electro in a giant web with yep. light bulbs. Yes, yes. So that's how they beat <laughs> one of Spider-Man's most dangerous villains with light bulbs but it was that it was okay. the 90s cartoon show yeah. which that is that is who I remember as Spider-Man being and then it was the the Sam Raimi videos that we would watch whether it was in the theater or yeah. aftercare and then we my brother and I would go to Blockbuster yeah and we would rent Spider-Man games because you could finish them relatively quickly and we'd take turns and we'd Play all the Spider-Man Did you do the, the Spider-Man game on PS1? The one with like Doc Ock and Carnage? And I, I think I played that at a hotel when we were waiting oh my on a hurricane. And with like, I think uh, the Scorpion yep. kidnaps Jonah. J- yep, yep, yep. Yeah, Jonah, yeah. Oh, that game's so much fun. What about the one on Xbox? I know because my brother had that one. I kind of played that Was it based on the movie? Yes. Yeah, I had that one too. I might have. I played Web, Web of Shadows. I got the newer one. I played a, I played a few of them. I Shattered, did you do Shattered Dimensions? I think ever? I did Shattered That's Dimensions a good one. as well. I've, it's, it's been a lot of them. So. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And my introduction was a couple different things. So, the I actually had a VHS tape too. Let's go. Um, but it was of the '60s show, Ooh. 
and it was it was his origin story, and then ironically enough, another Electro episode. Really, what yeah. happened to him in this one? I honestly <laughs> don't him. remember. It was so long ago. They trapped him in a car battery. It's even cheesy. Yeah, it's even oh, cheesier so than the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, so I had that tape. Uh, the '90s show as well was on, you know, okay. frequently, and Let's go. all the action figures, you know, were based on the '90s show that were coming out, mm-hmm. you know, as I was growing up. So that's just kind of what I knew. Um, and the comics, you know, I shared in the Marvel episode that my dad, and my brother, and I collected comics. So Spider-Man was like, you know, Spider-Man and X-Men and Silver Surfer, like those were like my favorites to collect. So um, got a lot of old Spider-Man comics that I'm really happy about, and just. Yeah, those were kind of the things. And then by the time I got to the the Sam Raimi film, the 2002 Sam Raimi film, mm-hmm. um, seeing it in the theater on opening weekend, um, it's probably the only time I can ever remember in my life that my mom went to the movies with us. And my mom never went to the movie theater, but she oh. actually wanted to see that, you know, which I yeah. thought was really cool. Yeah, so those are introductions no, to man. Spider-Man. Uh, and then, yeah, there's obviously lots of stuff that's come since. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're going to dive into. So there's a lot that you can tackle with Spider-Man. And we're going to do this episode a little different than we've done some of the episodes. So instead of like talking about like a specific Spider-Man, like movie at a time or a, a show or a game, we're going to kind of fluidly talk about everything but we're Mm. gonna do it by these categories so the first you know we're gonna break down the spider-man mythos and kind of the philosophy of uh these spider-man stories um so we're gonna kind of look at it from uh from different points of view and different characters so we'll we'll start by obviously talking about you know the character of peter parker and spider-man and then as we go later in the episode we'll dive more into villains love interests side characters Mm. all that stuff so that way we can kind of um, talk about, you know, lots of things at once yeah. because there is a lot of adaptations out there. And that's the cool thing about Spider-Man that I think we'll explore right now is that there are different things that people gravitate towards about the character. But there's like a central court mythos there mm. that we love. So like if we talk about the idea of Spider-Man, so it's cool because like the idea of a spider is a spider is both predator and prey. Mm. So spiders have certain things that they can hunt and devour, mm. but they're also hunted as well. So we know that with Spider-Man, the way he falls in the Marvel universe is he does have some like power, obviously, over other beings and other things. He's stronger than the average man, you know, can mm. do things. Yeah. But he's also like not at the top either. So he's very yeah. vulnerable, which makes his stories interesting. We also know that spiders are, they kind of fall into this own category as arachnids yeah. where they're kind of insects, but they're in their own thing. And I love that intention of trying to kind of like, that Spider-Man always is kind of like an outsider. You know, he doesn't quite fit in with the Avengers. He's not quite a mutant. He kind of stands in his own realm and interacts with all these different things. So um, we know that uh, Peter Parker, you know, who will we'll, we'll kind of dive into, you know, who he is in a second. Um, but he creates Spider-Man, mm-hmm. you know, after he gets bit by the spider, he kind of creates this persona. Um, and, and I really believe when I read the comics that like, I see that Spider-Man is like an outlet for his creativity, for his passion, Mm -hmm. for his love of science. You know, he builds these web shooters, literally wears his love of science 
on his sleeve, you know? Um, and he creates this costume that's red and blue. And we got to remember when they create these characters, like Dave, you and I have talked about this before. These guys aren't, aren't stupid. They're geniuses who do this. And they're very intentional about everything. So even like the red and the blue in his suit is interesting because the red is meant to represent like his kind of quippy, you know, the kind of like the, the joy of life, being Spider-Man, the thrill, the awesomeness of it, the humor. But then the blue represents the melancholy and the tragedy that he faces. And wasn't um, the suit like, didn't it used to be like red and black at one time? It was like- So there was kind one of. I remember as a yeah. toy I had. Yeah. Yeah. In this, if you read the early Ditko comics, it, the, 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 color like changes depending on like where he is so sometimes it's more of like a dark dark blue mm -hmm. and it's a little bit of that black as well so yeah it is interesting that yeah. they did have a little bit of that and then as you read the comics they go on it that blue kind of starts to cement as they find the character mm -hmm. but it's interesting because you know in the civil war story right you guys have read that yeah so in the civil war comic he wears red and gold uh -huh. so what do you yep. does anyone know why they took the blue out of the the suit Cause it's like Captain America. I don't know. <laughs> All about the victory, baby. Gold is victory. I, I have no, well, no clue. Well, what what they do? It's really interesting because they're essentially trying to make like Tony Stark is trying to remake Spider-Man in his image. Oh. So he makes his suit. So and he takes away the because Tony Stark promises that he's going to take the drama away from Peter if he unmasks himself. Mm. So that melancholy is gone, you know, like supposedly, mm. and it's replaced with this gold, this protection of Iron Man. But it's like it's like a there's a warning sign though and it's brilliant in the artist who did this there's a warning sign that something's not right about spider-man going down this path because he gets these arms that come oh, out that's of him. the iron spider suit. yes and in the iron spider suit who do the arms resemble Doc Ock. Doc Ock, exactly uh, so there's this idea that spider-man <laughs> is going down the wrong path you know yeah um so if you oh, look at cool. the, yeah, yeah if you look at the costumes in different spider-man things there's always something like the black suit yeah. is another obvious mm -hmm. one, right? You take away the red, you take away the blue, and you just color over it mm -hmm. with this 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 sickness, this symbiote, right? Sickness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and then green means something as well. Mm -hmm. All almost all the early Spider-Man villains are green. Yeah, like yeah. Scorpion. Um, didn't Sandman have a little bit of green mm -hmm. in his costume? Electro, Electro Doc Ock, mm -hmm. the Lizard. Yeah, obviously the Green Lizard Goblin, yeah. Mysterio. Even Gwen had green in her stuff before she ended up right in the bucket. Yeah, this is really mm -hmm. well. In green Green represents a lot of things. So it represents like it can represent danger. I think that's the big motif. So when Gwen, there's going to be spoilers, by the way, all over this podcast. So spoiler alert here. So when Gwen dies, she's wearing green, you know, yeah. so that's already like a red flag, yeah. which is why when in the Amazing Spider-Man 2, I saw her in that green jacket. I'm like, oh, she's done. She's like <laughs> green in Spider-Man is bad. That's Anytime you see green, black. it's not good, you know. Yeah. Um, but it also can represent like a lust for power as well. But yeah, so Spider-Man is essentially the story of all these these webs being weaved and they're bound to become tangled. What do you, have you guys ever thought about this idea of like Spider-Man as like an outlet of like his creativity or kind of like a self therapy for him? No, I thought that was a really cool uh, thought, but that's where his intellect comes in, not just in his gadgets, but also his adaptivity. Uh, one thing that I see that always separates him from others is that 
he'll see things that he's familiar with, mm-hmm. either just scientific components, mechanisms, computers. He's like, oh, I, I know about this, and he'll use it to advantage. I know mm-hmm. in the 90s show, he uses this electromagnet to work against Doc Ock. Yeah. And so that's where all of his stuff can be used, but it's used for the good of mankind, not just for his own pursuits, which right. separates him from his villains. Yeah, and you get that. You get. I think the '90s show does a great job of that, that of showing that. And I think Andrew Garfield and Tom. We're just going to use their first names for this episode, you know. So Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland. They're the mm-hmm. live action Spider Man. So I think Andrew and and Tom's Peters do a really good job of this idea of showing this idea of his intellect and the the kind of out the creative outlet and the the um you know the self therapy like that scene in the Amazing Spider Man two when Peter and Gwen break up. And then he plunges himself right into being Spider-Man, like right after the breakup. I'm like that, like that's how he deals with things. Mm-hmm. He tries to go out there in the world and be better, despite the turmoil he's facing as Peter Parker. Yeah. Like when I look at Toby's Spider-Man, I almost feel like when I watch the Raimi movies that Toby's Spider-Man is like he's not emancipated, like set free from it. It's almost like he's oppressed by it. Oppressed by, by what? Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. What do you guys like? What do you guys think of that? Like, yeah, no, it kind of has. Um, in looking at my notes, it it's interesting that when his dual identities, everyone else is kind of fine with it. Like with like with Iron Man, like people know he's Iron Man, and also that he's Tony Stark. With uh, Captain America, they know that he's Captain America, but also Steve Rogers. Yeah. It seems like Spider Man is the only one that struggles with. His superhero uh, or conflicts with his superhero identity with his um, normal identity, right? And that's always been interesting, yeah. Because even with like, um, even like obscure characters like with She Hulk, mm-hmm. she can still be an attorney, right? And she's still like a superhero, but like, right. With Peter Parker, it seems like everything, like the whole world, is against him or against Spider Man, yeah. So it's it's really interesting to see that. Like, he's the only character, it seems like, that really suffers with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that's because he tries to hold on to both equally instead mm-hmm. of letting one consume the other. Like, with Batman, it's to the point where he sees himself as Batman and not Bruce yes. Wayne. Bruce yeah. Wayne is a right. tool. But Spider-Man and Peter Parker, those are two things that he is split against. He wants mm-hmm. to be both fully... He wants to live a good life, and he just feels like it just keeps getting piled on him. But he cannot give up Spider-Man because he cannot give up the responsibility that comes with his power. He just can't. He tries to a lot of times, but he can't. And there, and it kind of ties into the creativity as well. In Spider-Man 2, when he's talking to Dr. Octavius, he says that the intelligence is a gift mm-hmm. yeah. for the better of mankind. Yeah. And that's what separates himself from all the villains is they use their villainy as an output for their science uh, and intellect. Like, look at Doc Ock mm-hmm. and the Lizard and the Vulture and Scorpion. They're all products of science. Right. And then even Green Goblin and Hoggoblin, but it's mm-hmm. all for the self. Mm-hmm. And even Kingpin uses all of this stuff. And right. uses Smythe, the Spider Slayer. It's all for the benefit of oneself. Mm. And they're a lot of times they're rich. They have a lot of money. Peter Parker is broke mm-hmm. as as all heck. Like he has no money. And that's because he pours all of his scientific 
and uh, creative output into other people mm, right. and not himself. Because he does have the capacity. He could go out there and make a ton of money as oh, a scientist. Yeah. And that's how the, that was one of the spider the versions of Spider-Man mm-hmm. inside the um, animated show as well. It's like, yeah, he he was a billionaire. He was like Tony Stark. I made yeah. my own Iron Man. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the yeah. silver, yeah. the metal suit. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, you're not a billionaire in your universe? And like, Spider-Man's like, can we change the subject? Uh, look, we got to go do that. But yeah. if you look at that Spider-Man, it, so there's this episode where all the alternate versions of Spider-Man have to come together and team up against um, Spider-Carnage. Spider-Carnage, yeah. And the Peter Parker in the main universe is elected the leader, and the guy with the big metal suit and all the money has a problem with it and says, I should be the leader. He's the most reckless and selfish one out of all the Spider-Men. Yeah. And it's because he used this, the, the scientific intellect and the ability and the fame, we can assume, for other people, but also himself, and he built himself up on it. Derek, I have a question. Yeah. Is is it only in the Raimi adaptations where you feel that oppression in Spider-Man? No. Is that, I, is that no. a common theme throughout? I think they just lean heavier into it yeah. than like... It's more of a soap opera in mm-hmm. the Sam Raimi. But the idea yeah. of Spider-Man having to choose one side or the other and that struggle, do you believe he has to choose and mm. fully live as Spider-Man or fully live as Peter Parker? Or is there a balance to where he can do the things that he does because he has that power, Mm. but also to be able to have a life of his own? I think in Spider-Man 2, and it says it here that Mary Jane actually says that Spider-Man or Peter Parker's life is the one that needs to be saved. Yeah, that's really good. So it's like, I do feel, I've never seen Spider-Man take the suit as a form of creativity. I've always saw it more towards that sense of oppression. Right. Burden. That he just doesn't quite know who he is. Um, but also, I'm built around the same uh, the Raimi adaptations, so that's like mm-hmm. my my background. For yeah, it. I do think they lean too heavy in that direct because I do think we'll as we'll talk about this more. I think there's certain things in the Raimi films that have become normalized in pop culture mm. that I think when other ad- adaptations try to do something different, everybody points the finger and says that's not Spider Man. Mm. Like actually, it's more Spider Man. At least more comic book Spider Man than the, than the Raimi films at Last times. Jedi. So, <laughs> oh jeez, where's but, our shots? To take? But but the thing is, is like 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 okay, like if we go back, let's go back to the or like if we go back to the origin, like go back to the beginning here, right? Because I think that'll help that'll help understand this. So. <laughs> you know he i didn't even want to do it but I, <laughs> I had so like, to so like you know we go back to the origin and we go back to him getting the powers and his first thing is like i can make money mm-hmm. i could be rich mm-hmm. you know and he builds the he makes the costume he builds the web shooters he does all that stuff in order to you know create this persona and because, you know, Peter Parker is someone who loves science, but he's not appreciated for it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the I mean, Isaac Fantasy 15 opens with him um, going to, to his peers, to Flash and Liz Allen and Sally and all these people saying, hey, we should all go to the science thing. And they're like, no, no one cares Shut about up, nerd. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Push. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have some thoughts. I'll well, get, it, I'll it, get there in a second. And that's also kind but, of like why I really like the um the Amazing Spider-Man series because that's how Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man was in the beginning. He got this power and now he's drunk on power and now he's going to find the person that killed his uncle. And yes. he's kind of a menace. And even and here's the thing. So when he yes, when he finds his uncle Ben's killer, mm-hmm. right? Um and the Sam Raimi film got it wrong. He does not fall through a window and die. That no, that does not happen. 
he saves his life <laughs> and he says, you know, I can't. I could kill you. I could do this, you know? know? And he's like, but I, I'm not going to, you know? A lot of people think, you know, because at the end of that issue, it says, you know, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. That from that moment, Peter's good. And that's what the Raimi movie kind of implies. But then in the very next issue, he's kind of like, hmm, how can I use the Spider-Man stuff, you know, to make some money? And then he like tries to join like the Fantastic Four. Yeah. And then he leaves because they don't want to pay him. They don't want to pay him anything. And that's when he wore the the, the bag as, as a mask, right? No, that actually came one? from like a different thing. Oh. Um, but then, yeah. but then, like you know, he's like, like then, like Vulture comes in another issue, and he's kind of like, oh, I need a job. If I take pictures of me, maybe I'll make some. So it's like he's very selfish for a, quite a while. It takes a lot. Like that's what I like too about Andrew Garfield's version is it's a very slow development. It's like him saving a life and realizing, oh, this actually feels pretty good. You know, it's it. He grows into the. He's not a hero right away. Like he takes time to get there. But that idea of like with um, great power comes great responsibility. You know, that uh, comes from. You know, like there's a few different places that comes from. Like um, Victor Frankel, the Holocaust survivor, talks about like you know that taking responsibility for your life and doing the best good that you can for humanity is the path to a meaningful life. Mm-hmm. We know that Jesus said to those who much has been given, much will be required. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of good Samaritan ideas built in there as well. But, you know, it's interesting because there's this idea that if Peter lives by this idea of with great power comes great responsibility, and this goes back to what you're saying about the oppression of it, can Peter ever truly be happy if he lives that life? Which is interesting because again, you you we've seen characters do that, balance that. So yeah, why wouldn't Spider Man be able to? Which is the, I I I can't answer that question, but it's just interesting to see that. Well, I'm not sure that the costume and Spider Man's like alternate identity is what's oppressing him. I think he's just struggling to figure out how to handle it. All. I yeah, I agree with so that. So it's not like this is a sense of oppression because that sense of justice is is the most noble thing about it. Right. It's, it's, so it's the reason why we're watching this story. Um, so it's not necessarily that is the oppression. It's his growth as a character trying to mm. figure that out. Yeah. And um, I can speak to that through two different things. So in the video game, the, the Spider-Man PS4 idea, game? Yeah, the PS4, okay. the, the video game that just came out for Spider-Man, you can see the, I guess, the oppression or just with the Spider-Man life taking over to the detriment of Peter Parker. He gets evicted. You can see that his relationship with MJ was already kind of ruined and right. estranged mm-hmm. and he's trying to get it back. He's not able to be a, a friend to... Um, Norman? Oh, to Harry. To Harry. As, yeah. Well, Harry's actually gone in this. He's away because he's sick. Um, um, yeah. And he's not able to be involved as much in uh, in May Parker's life mm-hmm. at the center, and also his friend Otto Octavius, who is the scientist he works for to make prosthetics. So he's has that mission for intelligence to be used for the greater good. But as we see, and spoilers, if you wanted to play the video game, it is actually pretty sick. But Otto Octavius starts to turn from his mission. From the good of mankind to revenge against Norman Osborn, and he uses in, his intellect for evil. Right. And there's a whole dream slash nightmare sequence where he is seeing hallucinations of Otto Octavius as he's turning and becoming more angry 
and evil and starting to become twisted in his mind, he hallucinates Doc Ock saying, you don't give people hope, you take it away. And it's almost as if because he's devoting, devoting so much to Spider-Man, his ability to do good and impact people in his life as Peter Parker is actually being diminished. And he feels guilt and responsibility for not being there when he was supposed to. Because all he can hallucinate is his own guilt and Doc Ock turning out the way that he did. So just managing that and, and finding a balance. Because he doesn't... all Like as soon as something happens in this video game, he's Spider-Man costume and he's out. He doesn't even like take time to say hey, one second, or even stay in a moment, he's immediately out. He takes no time to explain, mm-hmm. he's just gone. And just the balance of that and finding the balance and finding I, who he is. They even yeah. talked about in Spider-Man 2, the doctor asked the question, you know, maybe your friend's not supposed to be Spider-Man climbing up the walls. And at the end of the 90s video, or excuse me, series, he tells Stan Lee, you know what? I finally do like myself mm-hmm. and I like my life. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot and I'm ready for... For friendship, or yeah. not friendship, but like I'm like I'm ready to find my own MJ. That's what's next for me. But yeah. he comes to terms with himself, and he likes both versions. Mm-hmm. He yeah. likes his whole life, and it's funny because uh, Stanley says, "You're not the you're not the person I've been writing out about at all." Mm. And then he tells Stanley, "You know, I guess everybody has to grow up once in a while, even yeah. fictional characters." Yeah, you know, I love funny that because you were harping on that a lot. Mm. Yeah, well, it's because it's Spider Man is like one giant long coming of age story, you know. Mm. And I do think that in good coming of age stories, these are the kind of things like balance is a great word there. Like mm. we're trying to reconcile, and even you know, as people as we grow older, we're trying to balance out careers and families and friendships and social obligations and all and all that stuff we're doing ministry so we're doing similar things like Mm -hmm. out there loving people while we also some of us may have families at home right right trying to balance Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. that's why that's why i think the character is so relatable is Mm -hmm. because i think we all try to balance these things out and we don't always get it right either Mm -hmm. and it's okay because like just because you fail and don't always live up to your own expectations. Peter has this idea like great power, great responsibility. That's always what he's aiming for. That's his sense of purpose and what he's, his vision is for his life. But, and that's what he gets tested on, especially like in the first, like the first, like 33 issues of Spider-Man is basically him learning that lesson. It's like a giant long, like origin, like the issue back there on the back with that final chapter that comes. Yep. Um, that's the scene where it shows Steve Ditko's art where he's lifting oh, the mm-hmm. yeah the machinery off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like the kind of the end of Steve Ditko's chapter, even though he has a few issues afterwards. But what I love about that is that he's only in high school for like 28 issues out of like 900. Oh. So I'm going to get to that later when I talk <laughs> about high school Spider-Man. Oh, but boy. when he gets to that, because that, he's starting college at that point, and I love that in the final chapter, there's this kind of reconciliation between his Peter Parker and his Spider-Man life mm. um, with him learning great power, great responsibility, because his, the arc begins with him failing to save Uncle Ben, right? And it ends with him trapped in a way that Peter Parker wouldn't have survived that, but he was trying to get a like a, a medicine that could help Aunt, Aunt May is dying, um, and he has the ability to cure her, but as Spider-Man, he was able to get it, but he has to get it to her and he's crushed under all this machinery. He gets out 
and he's able to save Aunt May's life. And it's like in that moment where his Peter Parker and his Spider-Man identity, he realizes, oh, like as Spider-Man, I can take care of Peter Parker too. Mm -hmm. I can take care of my aunt and the people that I love. So I, I love that in that initial run that that's what he's learning. But it's interesting because his arc there is that he kind of starts off as like this like loner by choice. He's not dweeby. He's not like derpy derp, you know, like he's actually very well spoken mm -hmm. and he's like in the, in the comics. Oh, yeah. Okay. When you see in the first Amazing Spider-Man film, what you were just talking about, Joe, yeah. where like him and Flash are just having a conversation like, hey, Parker, take the picture. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. Flash is like weirdly in his social circle, you know, it's just kind of odd. And I know in the Homecoming movie, they kind of have that too, where they're just kind of always around each other. Mm -hmm. But Peter kind of has a smart mouth and that's what gets him into trouble a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But he's kind of cold. He's kind of rude. He's arrogant. He's distant. When um, he gets into college and he gets he starts to meet new people like Harry Osborne and Gwen Stacy. Well, I didn't know that and, they met in college. I yeah, they didn't meet in high school. Oh. Um, they met they were and Mary Jane also, they all come oh. in college. And it's interesting because when Romita, when John Romita takes over Spider-Man, you know, because Ditko had a very like uh like a very objectivist, like Ayn Rand view of the world, you know, mm -hmm. like the individual is the epitome of everything. So it was kind of like the world versus Peter Parker type of thing. Mm -hmm. But then in the Romita run, all the side characters get really rounded out a lot more and Peter's world becomes a lot friendlier to him. Not mm -hmm. the villains, but yeah. the but the side characters. <laughs> Things become Stanley more villains. connected. <laughs> it's no it's interesting that John Romita's first issue with Stan Lee reveals that the Green Goblin is Norman Osborn. Mm -hmm. So it becomes very soap opera-y too at that point. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I love the first 99, like 100 um, issues of Spider-Man because it tells this coming of age kind of story that Jason, that you were mentioning too, like just a second ago, like about balance and all that. Um, yeah. Perfect. And it, and it, and as all things, and it, you know, it, you could like literally cut the first, like Stan Lee's run on Spider-Man into thirds. So like the first third is that like high school to like beginning of college. And then the second section is like the whole mellow drama and stuff. And then the last like 33 issues of Stan Lee's run is like hell. Like, Spider-Man gets tested in every possible way. And let me know what you guys think of this because I love the last, the, the second to last issue of Stan's run in, in issue number 99. And it's cool because he grows up. He gets to grow up. You know, he gets a staff job. Mm -hmm. He fights for a staff job at the Daily Bugle. And he goes to a, um, a prison and there's a prison breakout. And it's a lot of his old villains are trying to break out of prison. Yeah, the raft. And yeah. yeah. And Spider, yeah. and they actually do that like in the video game and they do it. There's an episode mm -hmm. of the spectacular show where they do the prison break as well. Prison and and Spider-Man, like after the prison break, he's like, we need to do more to help these people. We need to be, you know, and he starts to have this idea of like, we need to save these villains. Ooh. That's what I love in No Way Home. Like yeah. when they have that line where... M or MJ, um, she hey. says, um, sorry, she says, um, you know, well, that's Peter. That's just not the kind of guy Peter Parker is like, he's going to let these villains die. I'm like, yeah. yes, yes, 
Finally, mm. we get an adaptation yeah. that acknowledges this. Yeah, and that's the thing is that's kind of where Stan's arc ends is with this idea of like we need like prison reform. We need to help these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he decides in that run that he's going to be with Gwen for the rest of his life and is going to propose to her. And it's very that sweet because he doesn't have enough money hey. to take her out on a date that night. Oh. And so um, he comes home. Ugh, Gwen is just such a great character. He comes home and Gwen like made him dinner because oh. she's like, you don't have to spend money on me. I just want to be with you, like be home with you, you know? Oh. And um, should have wiped her up quickly. Right? Yep. And then, but then, and then it ends with, that issue ends with Peter Parker saying, I think I finally got it right now. Like, I think mm. I've finally for once done something right. And honestly, this is a bold statement here. We should have ended the story. That's Spider-Man right there. We Or at least, like, ended that version of the story. Mm-hmm. Because then, because Stan Lee was always trying to push the character forward to grow. Then the moment he leaves, they regress him back. Oh, no. They take away, like, they make him and Gwen, they make him iffy on if he wants to be with Gwen the whole prison reform, the helping the villains goes out the window. All these things Stan sets up, they throw out the window and they start to regress him. And this is what happens in Spider-Man's comic book history is they start to just push him back. Into that they don't moment. let him grow up. Mm. They keep pushing him down. You know, They literally, in, after Civil War, they he in the worst Spider-Man story ever, next oh, to yeah? the story where... Um, Norman, it, it, supposedly Gwen and Norman had an affair. And, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Terrible comic book story uh, there. And they had, <laughs> and they had babies. I didn't even know that existed. Um, so the worst Spider-Man story besides that one. It's Mephisto um, with, uh, is, yeah. what is it? Um, One One more day. Mm-hmm. Where, which is actually what No Way Home is based on. <laughs> yeah, where uh, Spider-Man goes, like pretty much makes a deal with the devil. And it's like, if you can go back or something like that. If everyone can forget that I'm uh, yeah. Spider-Man is Peter Parker, then I'll give you something which he took yeah. away. Yeah, when uh, their marriage, Mary Jane's and Peter Parker's marriage. Yes, because when his identity is revealed, um, Kingpin puts a hit on Aunt May. Kingpin, bro. Um, yeah, and so <laughs> Aunt May King is ki- yes. you know Aunt May is killed, <laughs> and is. so and here's the thing: Peter Parker was married, established, and all that stuff. He was a science teacher. He was doing well. Then they make that deal, and guess what? They throw out 20 years of storytelling and they make him a broke college kid, not married, single. Why do, they, you, think, why do you think they did that? Because there's this weird idea that people... Oh, you're going to get me going. There's this weird idea that people have that Spider-Man is supposed to stay as this like broke, sad sack who can't grow up. It's why like in every like TV adaptation now, they keep putting him back in high school. And they like, you know... They keep making him broke. They keep... Yeah, yeah they keep... Doing the same things over and over again, which is why I love, you know, like the video game, the PS4 game mm-hmm. or the end of the Spider-Verse movie. No, no, no. The PS4 game, though, is like there's there's momentum like he's moving in a direction in his life. He's not broke. He's balling on a budget. In he gets PS4. evicted. Yeah, he's broken that one then. <laughs> okay, well, in the okay, in in the, into the Spider-Verse yeah. and then like into the Spider-Verse which we'll talk about later and then there's a there's a comic book called Spider-Man Life Story which is where like if Peter Parker actually grew up from the 60s and aged 
properly to now. So I love adaptations where we get to see them grow. Like, and maybe this is because I'm older. Cause I'm like, now I'm like 30 and I'm kind of like, I'm tired of seeing high school Spider-Man. Maybe you guys feel the same way as well, but I just think they, they think, Oh, this is the teen character, the young character. I think honestly, Miles Morales should be that character. Now Mm -hmm. he should be the youthful high school Spider-Man and just let Peter Parker, like be a man. Not a not a boy, you know. Not Spider Boy, Spider Man. Yeah, right. That's why I liked in. Uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. But <clears throat> I think when I was a kid, that's what I always enjoyed because <clears throat> he was like me. Yeah. You know, and I think they tried to until Miles Miles came around. That's all they really had. Mm. Yeah. Is you know, in, in every generation of a child loved Spider Man. Right. Mean, it's yeah. just, so I feel like that maybe they were just trying to keep that going through generation after yeah. generation. Yeah. Oh, I could totally see that. But I agree with now that they have, now that they've expanded Marvel Universe, they can have other characters take that place rather right. than uh, Peter Parker. Well, I think the best version of the the youthful high school Peter Parker is in the Ultimate Spider-Man comics. The Amazing Spider-Man 1, that movie, mm-hmm. is basically the first six issues of the Ultimate comics. Oh, okay. Like, it's pretty faithful how it adapts it, even though, like, the lizard's the villain instead of the Green Goblin, stuff like that. <laughs> Um, or like the spectacular show adapts a lot of stuff from it. There's some stuff that carries over in the MCU, but in the ultimate like Spider-Man, it's interesting because it's very different how the storytelling is um, compared to the original comics. Because in the ultimate comics, it they had all this knowledge already of Spider-Man lore, mm-hmm. and so they Spider Peter Parker is like bitten at Oscorp, and Norman Osborn knows that Peter Parker was bitten. And he studies him and spies on him. And he actually thinks he's a liability. So he has him assass- tries to have him assassinated, um, try to have him hit by a car. <laughs> but then, <laughs> um, and Peter the Parker actually, in, his, in the origin in that, he's actually dying. Hmm. Um, the spider venom is actually slowly killing him. That actually makes sense. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Um, it's actually slowly killing him. So it's like he's a ticking time clock, mm-hmm. but he's got these powers still. And he's he's surviving, you know? Like, he's staying alive despite the fact that his he's kind of done. And, th- and that's the whole Ultimate Comic series is there's kind of this impending doom, like, when's he going to die? Like, they, they imply right at the beginning that he doesn't have much time. And Norman Osborn, you know, it's kind of sadistic because, like, in the Ultimate Comics, like, oh, I, I don't want to talk about it, actually. I'll wait till the villain section. But <laughs> yeah. um, essentially, Peter Parker is like this person, you know, who's at the bottom of the totem pole in society, and Norman Osborn's at the top. And Norman Osborn, he basically can't stand the fact that Spider Man was like his creation mm. and he can't have power over it mm. so it's, it's kind, kind of, of lex luther in that kind of yes way. yeah and it's kind of sadistic in those comics to watch like a grown man or a grown goblin like yeah. beating on like a 15 year old like like <laughs> yeah. brutally beating yeah. you know like I almost r rated like you can kind of see it in uh in no way home how he was just yes that's a good the, yes yeah. that's a good I like, like that one. feel of what that's like um just throwing him through there the um <laughs> Don't wait to take it. Right? But let me throw some other thoughts at you guys about Peter Parker and Spider-Man. I want to get your your guys' thoughts on these. So um, what do you think are like the essential qualities? Like no matter what adaptation you have, Peter Parker and Spider-Man must have these things. 
And if they don't have these things, then they got the character wrong. Spider-Man always saves or tries to save first. No matter what's happening, if someone's in danger, he goes to them first. If there's a villain, he tries to talk them down. Yes. If they're, if they're hit and they're about to die, he swoops in and saves them. It's always saving first, even and, if the guy gets away. In every fight in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, he always tries to talk down the villains. Mm-hmm. I love that. Does he talk down the rhino? I don't know. Yeah. Just slightly. He's like, I need you. Should, you. He gets on the megaphone. He's like, I need to get you. You put sure your you paws. want these hands, bro? That's that's taunting. That's not a. That's not genuine. You don't want these hands. He's just me. coming back though. I can forgive him. <laughs> um. Okay. So what else? Uh, I was gonna say dead mentor. Yes. Dead yeah. Mentor. Yep. yeah. Someone has to die. Well, I think that's what the end of the Spider Verse movie kind of implies too. Mm-hmm. Is like if you do want to go down this path, it will cost you. You gotta something. lose somebody. Yeah. Which yeah. kind of sucks in a, in a way. Yeah. It goes back to that what that oppression it, that oppression sense of being right. Spider Man. You know what's interesting in in the '90s show, the most successful version of Spider Man, or at least just in terms of money and fame. He is no his uh, secret identity is actually known to everybody. Mm-hmm. J- this is the funniest part. J. Jonah Jameson actually likes him. Yeah. yeah, which is actually makes sense because Jonah doesn't like people who mask themselves. So because he ma- unmasked himself, mm-hmm. they're cool. Yeah, but his secret identity is known, and Ben King Parker. Ben. ben Parker is still alive. Yeah. So, but he's also the most reckless one. That's true. So, because that hasn't happened, right. he's used it for himself. But also, like he used the gas bomb on—I don't know—I can't remember which villain, but didn't care about the other Spider-Man. So he's not—he isn't the essence of what makes well, Spider-Man. That, Spider-Man. And that's a good point that you guys bring up, though. That. The people who die in his life are very important in keeping him going. Mm -hmm. Like Uncle Ben sustains him and reminds him of why he does what he does. Captain Stacy is another important figure who dies that keeps him going. And then eventually Gwen. Um, So these people who die, they they inspire him even after their deaths. Yeah. Oh, a love interest who is in danger (laughs) all the time. Yeah. Yeah. There's risk, that element of risk there. I think part of what you guys are saying is why I, what I think, I think Peter Parker should always be like the average person. Yeah. That you can relate with. Yes. That has family and, and just like us, that is very important to us. Yeah. But then also has that ability to save and take the, the, measures and steps that you can't take as a human being right to you know save the day and protect mm-hmm. those people and and the villains and everything like you were talking about mm. those two things have to be there in order for it to be true. how did you yeah. so how did you feel let me ask you something you guys can all chime in on this how did you guys feel then when like you know in like homecoming and far from home in the mcu films where he's basically given everything he's given this high-tech suit he's given like like a lot of things well, those you know. are the most boring of the movies, to be I was honest. Just gonna say, yeah, yeah. Boring. yeah, those are the most boring of the Spider-Man movies because, again, there is a just like he just it's an entitlement kind of in those movies. Yeah, something just doesn't sit right with me about Peter Parker having these glasses and ordering a drone strike on his classmates. But I do love those Mysterio scenes. I feel like a sense of grief or heaviness has to come along with Peter Parker. Mm. Um, there's a sense of tragedy in all his stories. I wouldn't say all, just the stories that I know, but grief, 
But like grief, yeah. Yeah. more so than other superheroes, I feel like Peter carries. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's or, or guilt. Yeah. 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 Or struggle. You know, mm-hmm. like when he was given all that stuff, he didn't have to really struggle for find him. himself. Mm-hmm. Struggle for who he was. And yeah. He was just given this, and oh, now you, you know, got all this. Yeah. I mean, I like that yeah. they take the suit away in Homecoming. Yeah. I actually think the last third of Homecoming is, you know, mm-hmm. so it feels more decent. like Spider-Man. But then. <laughs> He gets another's, you know? Yeah. And it's and it's like like in Far From Home, it's like he learns to not be like Iron Man with that conversation with Happy, but then he's making a tech suit to ACDC music. <laughs> and I'm like, did you really learn that lesson? Yeah. Well, in No Way Home, he's stripped of all of that. Yeah, he's it's di- yeah, that's yeah. As himself and it's when he has to go through the struggle of losing May too, right? Yeah. And he has to overcome not killing the person responsible. Yeah. Even when he has a super punchable face, and he's right super there, face. he almost kills him, and he has to get over that. Oh, and then at the end, yeah, he would have he if Toby but, didn't step but in. The, he didn't but, beat himself. <laughs> no, the Spider-Man that grew up yeah. saved yeah. him though. The man and version of Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. The the boy. that's yes. right. Yeah. That was good. And then he. Befitting the the great tragedy, he gave up literally his whole life and yeah. everyone he cared about. And well, that's now why that he just has a suit. Right. Yeah. yeah, and he just has a suit that he sewed himself. Yeah. So I, there's the tragedy, there's the struggle, there's yeah. the life lesson, and then there's the destituteness. I will say that 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 definitely proves that Tobey Maguire is the strongest Spider-Man because. Uh, what's it called? Tom. Amen, amen to that. I mean, Tom Holland was actually coming in like I'm trying to yeah. actually kill this man. Yes. So the fact that he was actually able to keep and him, that he could get stabbed, yep, and still and be just like walk it off. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's definitely the strongest Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. Tobey Maguire yeah. is the only Spider-Man that we that actually kills someone in these movies. So we're just saying that. That's wait, no, because Andrew, wait, Andrew Garfield who? killed uh, killed Electro. Dispersed him. You can't kill electricity. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's whatever. Yeah. Wait, who are you defeated, saying Toby Maguire killed? So, so Toby killed that that he human de- flesh man. Defeated him. That's <laughs> defeated them into the afterlife. Wait, who? Yeah, who? Who are the, you saying Toby killed? Toby killed the guy who killed his uncle. Oh yeah, yeah, he kind, yeah, movie, kind yeah. of. He fell out the he, he well, it's more like he didn't <laughs> save him. But I still have a huge problem with that because. The movie does not address that as an issue. Yeah. Like, if he, like, after he didn't save him, was like... Dang, Dang I should have done something. Yeah, but there's nothing. There's no, like, yeah. remorse really? after over that. And that that was my big thing. Is like, okay, you can have the guy die. That's fine. Just like in Amazing Spider-Man, he doesn't actually find the... I'm fine if you want to change mm-hmm. things. But, like, at least make it consistent. Because I find it hard to believe that, like, Peter would sit there and just be like... I miss the fact that that's my problem. <laughs> Or when he tries to kill Sandman, good riddance. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a symbiote hey, too. Hey, Toby different. was ready to kill some people. I ain't gonna lie though. Like, I'm thinking you know, about it, Toby. Why, that's why he had to be the one to stop Tom. Yeah. 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 I definitely think he is physically. I mean, the train <laughs> the sequence alone was... shows his strength. You yeah. know, like I think yeah. he is the physically the strongest mm-hmm. of the three. Hey, undoubtedly. Even mentally, you know what? Toby's the best. All. <laughs> uh, I can't even I get through a broken back. I wouldn't go that far. You can even get through a broken back. Yeah. And ex- existential crisis. Yeah, web block. Um, um, I'll I'll throw a couple in here. Um, obviously, I think I I I definitely agree with all these. Ooh, some of these are gonna be kind of controversial now that I'm reading them. Uh oh. I think Peter should start off or and be tempted with the bully victim to bully persona because he is being bullied, 
But there is that temptation in the early times of him being Spider-Man to become the bully. Which is why I love what in the first Amazing Spider-Man movie mm-hmm. when he's going – he bullies Flash. He's bullying, you know, like the, the um, people look at yeah. – yeah. I'm like that would be what would happen if you were bullied for so many years and mm-hmm. you got all these this power. Yeah. You know, you would kind of struggle with that a bit. And he does have that struggle at times. Uh, so that temper. A lot of people think Peter is a nice, sweet kid. No, he's a jerk. He's right? a he's, – Kind of a dick. He sucks. He's kind of a, a douche. So, so there's he, 900 comics. Is he a, a jerk in all of them, or is he a jerk in some of them, which could represent Amazing Spider-Man? And he and he's a different style in different comics. Okay, I'm so, glad. So it's hard to say right. that he's this character and he's not this character. So well, you, you understand what I'm saying? He yeah. always has the capacity of goodness, you uh-huh. know, because of how he was raised, right? But he has a temper. Like he really does. Would you say so, that? He, so one of the attributes of Spider-Man is that he's marked by a temper. Yes. Or that yes. he overcomes a temper, at least. Yeah, but he does have it. So, like, like here, I wrote down some statements. <laughs> nice. These Mark, statements. I don't know that much. I'm just asking questions. He's pushing the envelope. He walked right into his trap. Okay, you walked into I'm this. I'm in the spirit right now because I'm setting him up. Yep. Okay. So it's all the, according to Blaine. So these come from these come from the first um, from some of the early comics. Okay. Um, these are statements that he makes. Someday I'll show them. Someday they'll be sorry. Sorry they laughed at me. I'll see to it that May and Ben are always happy, but the rest of the world could go hang for all I care. Must I become the menace they accuse me of being? Perhaps that's the only course left for me. And here's some conversations he has with Flash, because unlike what you see in some versions, he's kind of a jerk to Flash. Like, he doesn't let Flash push him around. At least my brain isn't muscle bound like that fat head of yours. Yeah. As for you being a dumbhead, <laughs> as for you being a dumbhead, it's nothing to be ashamed of. You were just born that way. It's Someday I'll tell you why, loudmouth, and I'm you're gonna really enjoy it. Yes, sir. It's gonna give me real like pleasure. Why are we mad that Toby killed somebody? You <laughs> brainless loudmouth. You've insulted this me for that last time. Right here. I'm gonna wipe that stupid smirk right off your face right now. See, that's this is stuff Peter Parker by. says regularly to people that irritate him. There's a later. So those are some early ones. Then later. Um, when he's with Gwen, he gets super possessive of Gwen and super jealous. So Flash, you know, who changes quite a lot in the comics, but Peter has a hard time, like, letting that old image of Flash go. So there's a conversation, and he thinks that Flash is heading on, hitting on Gwen, um, (laughs) and says, are you hitting on my girl? Like, and then in the Ultimate Comics, he breaks Flash's hand, um, It's and gets killing. detention. Uh, but no, he doesn't kill, but he has a temper. He has a temper with villains, too. Especially with Green Goblin. Like, mm-hmm. he beats the crap out of Green Goblin. So many, especially after Gwen dies. Because Green, but, Goblin, Green Goblin will throw hands on his level. Yeah, <laughs> but like... Green Goblin's kind of bad. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but, bad dude. So I, I do think the temper is is there. And here's another unpopular thing that I'll say. He's kind of a good-looking, flirty guy. Peter? 
Yeah. In in the nineties, in the nineties, he's the biggest player to only wear one shirt in the entire show. And isn't his glasses about like this big? Oh no, no. In the actual animated show, yeah. Everyone in the animated, lo- no. He yeah. Everyone he's, loves Peter. He's in the built. Yeah. He flirts around with MJ like, and Gwen at the same time. Even in the like, spectacular Spider-Man, ever like all the college like the high school girls loved him. Like look at this. Like look at. I'm just gonna show you an, an image of Peter Parker in college. Cause yeah, high school he's kind of like nerdy. That's one thing. He's not built like Toby. They're all small in the movies as compared to the comics. But they're like the slim. They're like slim built. They're small, and here he's like an athlete, like a football player. Okay. Look at this. Okay, so look at this image right here. That's Peter Parker riding a motorcycle. Oh no! With like, with a good-looking girl, like right, right ne- you know, behind him. Is she not sitting on the bike correctly? She could die. <laughs> and then there's like this moment here. Oh look, here's him with with Mary Jane. Like this is a good looking guy. He kind of looks like, like Bruce Wayne. And like, like <laughs> there's that little really, hair curl. Yeah, it's the hair he curl. He really, he really is like a Chad. Like, From the outside looking in, it doesn't seem like he's the character is very consistent over these 900 comics. Is he look like that on through the course of? He's of pretty the story? good looking. Yeah, he pretty he stays pretty. Good look. And he's like a flirty, he's like a flirty guy too. So like there's this, there's this, uh, in, in the Spider-Man blue, Nick, you might remember this where he's sick and like, this is like just shortly after he first met Mary Jane and yeah. Gwen and Mary Ooh, Jane. Is he over there cooking ca- Oh yeah. Look at that. Feeding him soup in bed. Man, and, man. and then Gwen <laughs> comes and reads him a story. The, the girl, the, bro, the girl in Tobey Maguire one came over and brought him some cake. You remember that oh, one? Oh yeah. 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 He's got some cookies. cookies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, yo, get some more cookies. Get some more cookies. <laughs> and then, and then of course, really Vulture, you see Vulture's flying over there. And then he's literally like, oh, I just want to be alone. And then they like get pissed. But Flash is like constantly pissed at Peter. Why Peter because, yeah, he's like, because <laughs> no girls are interested in Flash at this point, And all the girls love Peter. And like, again, there's this idea that people have that Peter is like not supposed to be good looking. And I hate when people say that about Toby because it's like, are you implying that Toby's not good looking? Because like people will say, oh, Andrew Garfield's. His, his Peter looks like a supermodel. Like, he's not supposed to be good looking. I'm like, first of all, he is good looking. And second of all, are you saying Toby's ugly? Like, what's wrong with you? See, what, I, this is what I think of when I think of Peter Parker. I the think, big old... That's like the I first... I scene getting bullied. Yeah. That's like the first 20 issues, though. And then he, like... And then he, that's the original Peter Parker. And then he changes his hair and takes get rid of the, rid of the glasses. That's before the spider Well, he starts... Well, even after... No, he looks like that for even a bit after, after the spider yeah. But oh, he starts, like, taking care of himself more, you know? Yeah. But but another another thing too um that I think is is key with him is that he's a trickster. Mm. Okay, yeah, that's definitely like with the well go ahead. So yeah, yeah. So like quips obviously <laughs> with Spider Man, yeah. you know, like yeah. it's not Spider Man if he's not making some he's quips. Smart Alec. Yeah. But even like um that tr- that trickster persona starts to bleed into his Peter Parker life as huh. well. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the scene in the Amazing Spider-Man Two where he has to get Gwen out of the el- to the elevator oh, yeah, from the yeah. Oscorp people, mm-hmm. and like he's acting like Peter Parker and he's like kind of clumsily, um, you know, like like using his Spider-Man stuff as Peter. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's ble- he ble- he starts integrating that into his life. But I love that idea of him being a trickster, you know, and mm-hmm. being flirty, being clever. I think all 
you know, I think the universal things that we can agree on is we got to focus on power and responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, coming of age. What are we learning? Relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a Spider-Man story unless there's some sort of relationship there. Grief, the story of becoming a hero. But I do think I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I do think that if we look at like, let's take the three main film versions, right? Mm-hmm. Raimi for Toby, Webb for Andrew and the John Watson MCU for Tom. I think they each do something right. Like they they hone in on something right and they miss something as well. I don't want to say that they do it wrong because again, these are adaptations. I'm not expecting them to be perfect like the comics. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's something they miss. Well, so yeah. Well, I want to say and I don't know if that anyone necessarily misses misses it or hits it. I think they all touch on it. And one thing that would be a miss we didn't talk about is yeah. science has to be. Oh, yes. Yes. Every thank you. Single Spider-Man and Peter Parker is his love of science and gadgets and figuring stuff up and him being adaptive. Yes. And uh, resourceful. But that's used in. I know that's used in the the whatever you want to call it. The home trilogy. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Tom Holland. He has a love of science. He's a total geek. That's in. It's not so much used in. The Sam Raimi films, the Tobey Maguire films, because he doesn't develop his own web shooters, mm-hmm. but he I still think they use science. it in other ways, though. Yeah, yeah, like with his relationship with Otto Octavius, right? Uh, and Doctor Connors, and he Smart is smart. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't get to see it too much, right. but but then again, yeah. I think they do. Um, they do show it more in the Andrew Garfield movies. Yes. Oh yeah, do. yeah, because he's actually in. Well, the he lab. develops yeah. the. The lizard, the, 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 lizard the, here, the formula, guess, yeah, the formula, which is interesting because the first episode of the '90s series is almost like the lizard story they took for the Amazing Spider-Man no. movie, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like he develops, he helps Connors oh, yeah, develop yeah, yeah. the formula, mm-hmm. and yeah. then Connors wants to turn everybody into lizards, yeah. and then he has to get a cure. It's almost the same story. Should be everything, right. everything is taken from the '90s series you guys just so you know there is a lot well spider-man 3 all the venom stuff yes. that they take is directly from the 90s him turning show into venom him it's be, uh being uh waking up and being on the building and then immediately turning into a jerk and then him losing it on the bell tower that's even a, a good I, way that you can tell that he's different is because instead of using his quips or smart alecky remarks when he's Black Suit Spider-Man, he just makes threats. Mm-hmm. He's just angry. I think the alien, the symbiote saga, Venom saga, whatever you want to call it, actually is better in other things than it is in the comics. Mm-hmm. I actually think the shows, the 90s show and the spectacular Spider-Man show, mm-hmm. they do it better than anything else. That's like an example of something that I think got improved on over time. But but yeah, so let me get your guys' thoughts on these if we talk about like Raimi, Webb, and, and the, the Watts MCU film. So... I think the big thing about the Raimi films is that they're very influenced by the soap opera side of yeah. Spider, like the Lee Romita, those college years. That, like, I mean, Sam Raimi wanted to get him quickly out of high school in that first movie. But I think the main things that they're really focused, there's like a theme. Like, I think each of these series have a theme. And I think these three themes are the core themes of, of Spider-Man. And I think each theme, each series hits on the themes. So I think the Raimi films, it's all about the theme of choice. All three movies, it's all about choices. So what do I do? You know? Um, and, you know, like the scene in Aunt May, uh, Aunt May and Spider-Man 2, uh, I believe there's a hero in all, all of us, us mm-hmm. you know? What's what's he going to do? What's What choices is he going to 
make. Even in the first um, in that first movie when the Green Goblin's holding the two options. Yes, yeah. yes, that's a great example of choice mm-hmm. as well. Like you must choose. Yeah. And Spider Man three, he has to choose to to forgive, let the symbiote go. Mm-hmm. The the idea of choice and that our choices matter, I yeah. think, is the big running thing in the Raimi films. I mean, there's other things as well. There's like the the gifts and curses. You know, this is my gift. This is my curse. This idea of the debt, the burden, um, sacrifice is a big theme in the Raimi films. I, I think it could also go to identity again because the choice mm-hmm. that he makes with Green Goblin is Mary Jane, his love life, yeah. Peter Parker, or the children, mm. uh, the nobility, right? Uh, the need to be Spider Man. So mm. there's there's just the struggle of who is Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, who are you gonna choose to be? Well, that's actually what I think choose the web films do the Spider-Man. best. I think I I think that's what Andrew's Peter is all about is the is who am I like they literally it's it starts off the first Amazing Spider-Man movie starts off with a boy looking for his father playing hide and seek and his father leaving him behind and then he as he stares into the you know they have that shot where he's a boy and he's staring into the window and then we see him as a boy in high school that he's stuck in time. He doesn't know who he is. And that first Amazing Spider-Man movie ends with the teacher Mm -hmm. saying it's super on the nose. But the teacher says there's only one story in all of fiction and it's who am I? Mm. And then Peter Parker walks in and says the the whole thing about like uh, you're late. Sorry, won't happen Mm. again. Don't make promises you can't keep. But that's the best kind, which is interesting because his father made a promise that he couldn't keep. Mm. His father did not come back to him. And because of the choice his father made, him and Peter were separated. But Peter does not go down that path because he will break a promise. Like his father, they both broke a promise. Mm. But his promise that he's breaking is to stay with somebody, to be with somebody out of love. So it's interesting because identity is huge in those in those two uh, web films, you know, and even the scene of the bridge where mm-hmm. he saves the boy on, the, which is like one of my favorite Spider-Man mm-hmm. moments, where he saves the boy on the bridge, and he reunites a father and their son. Yeah, and he looks at them on the side because he knows he'll never have that. Yeah, and the father asks him, "Who are you?" And it's in that moment that he says. I'm Spider-Man. He never says it the whole movie when he's out getting revenge and all that. And that's the first time in the movie that the theme plays. Mm. That the Spider-Man the theme. theme plays in the movie. Do, 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 do. Yeah. And then it's cool because like Andrew's journey of identity is about, um, you know, like there's a lot of things like missing pieces, abandonment, hope, time, fate versus mm-hmm. destiny. But there's this idea of his identity um, about him finding connection with people because he's like an outsider and he has to find connection with people again. And like the movie starts off with like a lone like instrument, like a lone trumpet doing the do, 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 do. Mm -hmm. But then by the end of the movie, the whole orchestra is doing it as the city of New York with the cranes is saving him. Captain Stacy's helping. Gwen is helping. His identity is um it, it and we talk about this in narrative practices it's not in isolation mm-hmm. it's shaped by those around us and that's what i love in those those stories there 
Um, I, I also think a really good yeah. um a really good piece and it kind of goes back to what a spy, good Spider-Man story needs, that connection to New York. Yes. Like, I feel like yeah. New York needs to be a, a character. A, yes, and that's yeah. also why I that's think cool. it doesn't do it um the new the Toby Maguire, not Toby Maguire, the Tom, Tom Holland. Holland. Yeah, they're not good as well. Because it's just CGI and just people in backgrounds and things like that. Yeah. There's no real character to New York. It doesn't just, feel as authentic yeah. to that. So it's like, who's Spider-Man really saving? Because well, with the people in other movies, you can feel like, oh, like this is these are the people Spider-Man are putting down their lives for. Yeah, there's the train only train scene. Yep. Oh, I love mm-hmm. the train scene with that. Yeah. Come on, Dell. Say it again. Why is it good? Say it again. In the mic. What, yeah. What's what do you like about that scene? Oh. Well, what's good about that scene is that um he actually cares about saving all those people, and what really touches my heart when they keep his true identity, you know, secret. Yeah. And actually mm-hmm. Finally, see his face. Yeah. And yeah, that's mostly it. Because New York is always on the verge. There, like <laughs> yeah. sometimes they hate him, sometimes they love him. Yeah. And it, he's constantly trying to fight for people that aren't always going to say thank you or appreciate him. But it's cool when you see New York rise up to that. Mm-hmm. And you brought up the MCU films, and I think the big kind of theme that you see in those films is the idea of belonging. Where do I go? Where do I belong? Mm-hmm. So, like, Homecoming is ironic in that the title is about him coming home to Marvel, mm-hmm. but it's about him wanting to fit into this larger world of the MCU and the Avengers, yeah. but then realizing the value in being a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And so there's a lot of uh, themes, you know, in the MCU movies about insecurity, self-doubt, illusions versus reality, second chances. So I think between those three things, choices, identity, and belonging, there is the quintessential Spider-Man story, which is why I love No Way Home, because it ties all those themes and stories together. And it's the movie that really unites the Spider-Man fandom because you see the strength of Toby's Peter Mm -hmm. and you see the strength of Andrew's. Finally, people are getting it. And people see (laughs) the strength of Tom's. And and here's the thing. Here's here's the big thing. People hate on the, the the Andrew Garfield, Mark Webb films, right? For Because it doesn't feel like their version. And I'm guilty of doing that with the MCU and Tom Holland stuff. And it actually was No Way Home that made me really appreciate the Tom Holland version of that character. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had to repent for some of <laughs> I, I did, especially as I kind of saw what they were doing now with the films. Mm-hmm. And kind of realizing, like, in Homecoming, Tom Holland does a wonderful job as Spider-Man in Homecoming. Mm. Despite the fact that I don't like a lot of things in that movie, mm-hmm. I do like him. Like, I like what he brings, you know? But that's what I love is, like, you get to No Way Home and you really get to see all these themes come together. Choice, identity, belonging. Any thoughts on those things? Yeah, I think that <clears throat> the first set of movies, I don't know, what was the name? The Raimi Sam Raimi. Toby Maguire. Yeah. Toby Maguire, yeah. I think personally, I I I enjoyed those more with yeah. him, as far as his relationship um to New York, his relationship, mm-hmm. yeah. all mm-hmm. his relationships around him, even yeah. his even the villains, his enemies were yeah. really closely related to right. him. Mm-hmm. It all felt so, like family, like they yeah. fighting yeah. with yeah. family. Yeah. 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 And so I think that's like huge, you know, that's why I enjoyed it the most was because of those relational type things and the struggle of trying to, you know, figure that out 
as a hero versus um, his family and friends. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's ultimately like um, the kind of the struggle in the Raimi films is he needs to make the choice to honor the words of Uncle Ben, mm-hmm. you know, to honor that that motto of great power and great responsibility. And despite, you know, the issues that happen with his relationship with MJ and Harry and all the stuff with the villains, is he going to still honor that choice? Um, that's like the big thing I feel like that film is, those films are trying to do. Whereas like the web films, the Andrew Garfield films are more about like, connection with humanity and i feel like the tom holland films are more about like accepting and not being afraid of what you have you know because that's his whole thing is he doesn't feel like he's very insecure which is another spider-man thing as well that the other two series didn't really cover as much you know so side tangent by talking about these movies yeah yeah with amazing spider-man um well not the trilogy but you know the third movie was actually they're going to try to bring um they're going to try to bring Gwen back. They're the Clone Saga, right? The Clone yeah. Saga. They're going to try to bring Gwen back, oh, uh, Captain Stacy back, and then uh, like a spinoff where um, what's it, the Aunt, Aunt May is actually like an FBI agent or something uh, like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of glad that it, we didn't get Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man No Way 3. Home is Amazing Spider-Man 3 for me. Yeah. It really is. It, 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 could, it, do, it did that better mm-hmm. than what they actually would have done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting because we talked about marrying identity, you know, like marrying the Peter and Spider-Man. And that's the tragedy of Andrew Garfield Spider-Man is that he gets to the moment where he can marry those identities when he's on the bridge. Mm-hmm. And he says that he's going to go with Gwen to London. And it's very fitting um, that he's like in the Spider-Man suit, but he has his mask off. Yeah. So it's like he's literally marrying those identities on the bridge. And then, of course... Yeah, tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's the tragedy, right? Is that oh. even when he, it seems like he's got it right, you know, there's the her. next, there's there's Electro, yeah. you know? There's Gabby. Um, <laughs> and, well, it's interesting because in that movie, Electro represents Spider-Man's, because um, both Electro and Harry Osborn's Goblin in that movie are representing a failed connection with humanity. Mm-hmm. So Electro represents Spider-Man failing to connect on the right way with Electro. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harry represents Peter's failure. So even though he marries those identities on the bridge, he is followed by a failure from both Peter Parker and Spider-Man's lives. Mm-hmm. And that's what's cost him Gwen. And I think Gwen in those movies is his ultimate connection to humanity. Mm-hmm. And that's the tragedy of when that happens with that character, you know? And it's not even a coincidence that the two villains do team up. So as soon as Spider-Man yeah. marries his, um, with Peter Parker marrying both a Spider-Man persona and a Peter Parker persona, his villains are coming together as well. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I do think that like, Peter knows that Spider-Man makes him better, so he doesn't want to give that up. But stories like in Spider-Man Two, or like in the Spider-Man No More, uh, no, yeah, Spider-Man No More, the mm-hmm. comic book, in those stories where he gives up, where he's tempted to give up, he does it in the '90s show as well. Um, it's it's he gives it up because he believes that perhaps everyone would be better off 
if he if without spider-man but the irony of course is that he realizes that he is not better off Mm -hmm. without spider-man that it's not just people that need spider-man he needs spider-man too Mm. you know yeah Yeah. he can't eliminate that side of himself Yeah. yeah and that's what he tries to do sometimes Despite what what other things are are telling him there, any thoughts on the any other thoughts on the Raimi, the Web, um, or the MCU films? I've got none. I do like the fact with the MCU films, looking in hindsight now, that it feels like every time we saw Spider Man in that, it's building, it's been building on his origin story. Like if you right. were to read a comic book, like weekly by weekly basis, it, it's it's a whole process to get him to where he is actually spider-man yeah so yeah that's the only thing I got. yeah that's good that's what I got. all right we're gonna go ahead and wrap it there for part one but we have so much more of this exciting conversation to get into so join us next time for our spider-man 4 pitch our deep dive into the spider-verse and more conversations about the villains love interests side characters and of course how spider-man inspires us to live a meaningful story until then this is your friendly narrative practitioner derek signing off saying thank you and join us next time take care